Welcome back. It is episode 11 of the New Levels Coaching Podcast. Remember, we are the endurance podcast that provides lots of education and inspiration for you to literally go away and run with it. A very special episode and a first of its kind. I've actually got two special guests with me this week. <laughs> I've got Jethro McGraw, who's back, who's been on the pod before. Jeff is our head of coaching at NLC. And my lovely wife, who seems to be with me every other week on the podcast, <laughs> is back again. But we have a very special episode in store for you. Uh, recently, on our, one of our team NLC Q&As, that's a part of our premium package at New Levels Coaching, we have monthly mindset sessions where we talk a lot about our learnings as a team and our learnings as athletes. So I thought it'd be a really good idea to bring the brains behind the operation here at New Levels Coaching into this conversation and reflect on our learnings throughout the year. We're going to be vulnerable. We are going to be open with each other. We are going to be honest. And we're going to let you into some of our coaching secrets. And we're going to give you the feedback on the mistakes that we've made throughout this year. Because if you make mistakes and you learn from them, you can very much grow. And I'm hoping that it'll grow me a little bit taller to, to match up with Jethro. Because if you listen, if you look at it as on YouTube, Jethro is dwarf. And I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm not going to lie, Jeff. <laughs> we're, we're very cosy as well. I we are like very cosy. Like everyone's within hugging length right now. <laughs> it's quite warm as well. It's getting towards Christmas and it's getting cooler outside. But it's warm in the podcast studio. So three body heats are making it very warm. But what I would say, going towards Christmas and New Year, it's a really good time to reflect on on your learnings from the year. And that's why we wanted to do this this podcast. We did this with our team, as I mentioned, uh, and we want our wider audience to be reflecting on what they've learned in 2023, but also show you that we're not all perfect. We all do make mistakes and, and we do learn from them as we go. With that said, before we get kicked off, Jethro, I always like to ask how we are. What have we been up to? You're looking rather fresh, I must say, because you're back from a, a holiday. How was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's been it's been brilliant. So I took a bit took a bit of time off, um, which was actually well needed, and I suppose that highlights the importance of like a bit of rest, recovery, and and yeah, certainly feel come back re-energized and and, and really excited for the last couple of weeks of of the year. Um, yeah, got got quite a big got quite a big race for a lot of a lot of my athletes um, on the weekend. So looking forward to heading up there and supporting them. Um, so yeah, um, it was a really good bit of time away, but straight back into the thick of it and straight back into the studio. So um, yeah, that's that's where we are. No rest for the wicked, eh? Yeah. We've got you straight back in. No, <laughs> no time off here, but um, Pro- probably good though. Like a lot of time away, a lot of reflections. So yeah, very apt for for this podcast. Definitely. And with that in mind. A note to go back to one of the episodes we did with Matt Long on rest, recovery, mm. regeneration. If you've not heard that episode, it's a really good one to to go and listen to. And as Jethro said, really important part, not just of uh, your running or your performance, but also your, your life in general. And I know Jethro started this job straight after another job, so he didn't really have a break between jobs. So it was really good for him to get away and get that rest, recovery and reflection. Okay, Gemma, I'm going to ask what you've been up to. I think I might know what's coming here. Um, well, I've been recording, as those of you who will know, I've been trying to put together a YouTube episode about my race, my first ultra, ultra distance race in Kilmanen. And it's taken me about six days. Six days. That's <laughs> oh generous. Gosh. Longer than six days. Yeah, probably longer than six days. So many hours. I was trying to learn Adobe Premiere Pro. So I'm trying to teach myself something new. A student of life, I've decided. So um, gone from being charity to CEO to being a digital marketing editor. So I am learning. But hopefully this is the first of many YouTube episodes for our New Levels Coaching YouTube channel. 
And it's finally out. It's only six minutes and it took me so long. And I think it was harder than actually running the race. So lots of learnings. <laughs> it definitely took you longer than it did to run the race. I can vouch for that. <laughs> it's and if definitely I, harder. Yeah, if I have to hear my voice one more time in the background whilst you edit that video, I will go insane. So I'm glad it's done. But yeah, quite apt as well, similar to Jethro, on learnings and learning on your journey as you start NLC in a full-time capacity. Okay, well... I, and, and I guess for me, similar to Jethro, I've got uh, athletes racing this weekend at Liverpool, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we, before that, we have the funeral of, of John on, on Friday, which I'm really hoping will be a, a true celebration of life. It'll be great for people to get together and tell John's stories. But if you've not heard the podcast episode from last week, very emotional episode, then please do go back and listen to that. Um, but yeah, just passing our best wishes to John and the family for uh, John's family, sorry, and friends for Friday. And then it's off to Liverpool at the weekend. End, and then the weekend after is Valencia Marathon. So we've got a very special episode for du, you next du, week. Du. Du, du, du. <laughs> yeah, Sonia's coming on the week of the Valencia Marathon, which I thought was very brave. That's cool. That. That's really cool. <laughs> so if you want an elite athlete's insight into the big major marathons, and I think we know we can class Valencia as a major. It's going to be on BBC Red Button if you want to tune in. Then we'll have Sonia in for a bit of a sneak preview next week. But this week... Let's get on to our learnings. And I'm going to go ladies first, Gemma. So oh, no pressure then. <laughs> so what I'm looking for here is a, either a, co a coach learning, so something from your, your coaching year, an athlete learning, maybe something from what you've learned as an athlete this year. Or it could be, I think we've had your business learning already about your digital marketing, <laughs> editing on Adobe Pro, whatever it is. Um, but a learning from you that you feel like is going to enable you to be better moving forward into the future. Yeah, I think when we chatted about this yesterday or the day before, I said to you last night, I said, Lou, I don't even know what I've learned. I don't even know what I did yesterday, <laughs> let alone last week, let alone in the last year. <laughs> I really have to think about it. I was thinking, gosh, yeah, where do I go? But um, I think an obvious one came to mind. And this is both from an athlete and coach point of view. And it's around the psychological skills and the psychological impact of our mind on our performance. So I've we've seen across a lot of years, and I've noticed it myself this year, I've always been quite good as an athlete psychologically going into a race, but it did change slightly going into a marathon and then the longer distances because it requires something very different. But what I think I learn and what I've learned from other athletes is your kind of psychological um, preparation can make or break you in a race. So it can either help you overperform or it can help you underperform. And it's quite a significant impact because I think as coaches, we can set, you know, we can set great training programs and people can be in the best shape of their lives or people can get injured and be five weeks before their, their A race, be struggling with injury and um, doing loads of cross training and still get to a race and perform. People can be in the best shape of their life and underperform at a race. And I think I loved, I remember years and years ago, Kelly Holmes um, did an interview and talked about 80% of it being uh, mental, 20% being physical. And we know you need a lot of the physical side. Um, but when I was like 12 years old, my dad gave me Frank Dick's book around um, called Winning Around Mountain People and Valley People. And that was basically all about the psychological impact and your thought process and, and what you can do. And I think we really underestimate that. And I, I worked with a psychologist. I had what I thought was a bad injury in September this year. So I had three to four weeks out. And I Coleman and my that race, that A race, was only like eight weeks away or six weeks away after that, I think. Yeah, I'm not even sure it was that, yeah. Uh, to to 
bit of context behind it. We had to drop the long runs. We had to remove some races from the plan all within the last eight weeks. So yeah, quite a scary time for an athlete when they're gearing up to peak in sort of seven, eight weeks time. Yeah, and it was interesting. We did a podcast on it and I was like, I got to a point with that injury and I was like, I just can't have another injury. And I went to see a psychologist, Sarah, and I just, I had three sessions with her and I think I had the best preparation into that um, 57K. I was able to use all those mental tools pre-race and <clears throat> pre-race and also um, during the race and I think that's why I performed the way I did but also I actually like enjoyed well I'm not sure I enjoyed running 57k through mud but at some point I enjoyed it um, and I think that it's not that necessarily you need to go and see a sports psychologist and work with it work with somebody but I think we underestimate how big of an impact those mental skills have on the preparation during well I guess pre during and post race as well Okay, I'm going to pick that a little bit because there's a lot to digest there and, and a lot for our listeners and viewers to, to digest as well. Um, the first thing that I'm, I'm going to say is that I think it's really important that if people feel like they need help, they should go and get help. It doesn't always have to be a, a psychologist, but just speaking to people can really help. People. Yeah, I think I think also there's different levels. Obviously, we've got um, around the mental health side of things and what people use running for and, you know, struggling, there's anxiety and depression and that type of thing. But what I'm talking about here is actually performance and yeah. how we can use um, our mental skills, which then actually... But but to be fair, when you when you go and see, say, a sports psychologist and work with, work with them, they actually unpick your life first. So they look at you, look at your values, you look at all of that sort of stuff, which then provides you with the foundations to then go and perform really well. So a lot of it actually does relate to how you how you speak to yourself, how you refine the way you're feeling and and all of that type of stuff that comes into it. So that was one of the points I was going to make is around when you really understand yourself and and the challenges that you're going on, you can start to almost feel a little bit more confident maybe or a little bit more relaxed about things. But I find personally, I don't know how, how you guys, I'll maybe go to Jeff for this one, is that um, the longer the event, it almost seems like the bigger the psychological challenge for, for people. So as middle distance runners ourselves, um, you don't have as much time to think in the actual race setting. So what I've found personally is that um, before the race, when it's a shorter event, you do a lot of thinking and maybe that stress builds up. But then as you get to the, the longer events, particularly marathon and ultra, as Gemma's talking about here, there's a lot of thinking time in the event. And that almost adds another level of a level of pressure. I don't know if you agree with that, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think principally, though, I suppose you'd, you'd come back to the same methodology of, of trying to overcome that. Right. So it's like you say pre-race visualize visualization sort of looking for those or understanding what what thought processes are going to happen during that race and being prepared for that um almost like expecting them rather than being being surprised when there are 100%. um barriers or doubt that doubt seeds that that are planted during the race and, and you're right the longer the race the more opportunity there are for those demons to surface i suppose so um yeah i think um I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested, Gemma, to hear like whether there are any kind of specific like thought patterns or processes that you went through in terms of visualizing before the race that that helped you during during your your ultra in Sweden. Yeah, massively, and I think there is a difference. Like you say, it's for a, a longer duration, so there's a difference mm. between. But you're still like in a fifteen hundred. You're still trying to 
kind of mask that pain you're mm. going to feel yeah, by the absolutely. words you're telling yeah. yourself, mm-hmm. even on a 1500 and also in a, in a marathon or ultra. So I think for me, there was a lot of preparation around the worries that I had going into the race. So things like, can I complete the distance? You know, I'd only run... I'd done one long run at 27 miles on my own. So I had pretty, you know, high confidence that I could get to that. But could I could I complete the distance at the pace that we wanted to go? Um, the other worries were around the terrain and not being able to see the course, not understanding mm-hmm. anything about it and just going and running it mm-hmm. and not knowing the technical aspects. And then also around who you're around and is that race environment what you're used to or do you have to, you know, do you have to adapt to different scenarios? And what what was really good was that you actually voice these worries. So a lot of the time, if we just have our worries in our head, um, we don't actually process them very well. So writing them down or talking to somebody about them and then actually looking at. So a lot of the time we think about those worries quite illogically. So we it's actually important to look at them in a logical way. So saying, actually, what can I do? Like, how can I basically break down those worries and make them and think logically about them? So I went through that step and that was really helpful because then I was kind of prepared for those scenarios or those ways of thinking and kind of reduce my worries. But then also the mind had less stress. So we talk about that stress bucket. If you go into things with your stress bucket really high, which those worries will add to, then there's no real room for any more. Like, so say there's last minute, like, you know, you lose something before the race or you take the wrong shoes or you don't have your gel or you lose your gel. There's no actually room to be able to deal with that. So you panic. Whereas actually when that happens, if the stress bucket is low, you have the space to be able to deal with added stress because you've actually dealt with a lot before going into the race. So it's important to have that preparation, but then be flexible in how you approach things as well. Okay, loads and loads here. Yeah, I think I could do a whole podcast. Yeah, and (laughs) and I don't want to just focus on one, but I do want to add a little bit more to it because I think there's a really good point in there for people to, to learn from is that, Firstly, everybody goes through this, like elite athletes from, you know, people who are going to their first ever race. Um, Everybody has those worries. And as Jethro said, they're just different for different events, but the worries are are always there. But what Gemma said is so important. And I found this, that actually, if you're just thinking about them in your head and you're not voicing them, it's almost like they aren't real until you do voice them because they're just caught in your head. So actually just talking to somebody about them is really helpful because, it helps it to make it real. It feels a little bit realer. And not being afraid to address those things that might go wrong and plan for those things. Because we all have a plan A and we think, oh, yeah, it's just going to go amazing. But actually, what happens if things start to go wrong? Have you actually thought through that process of, of what you would do? And I think it's really important for people to do that. Not that you're visualizing it going wrong, because the majority of visualization should be spent on it going right and what you want it to look like. But not being afraid to visualize what happens if things do don't go right. How will I deal with that? And I think that's a really important visualization that people miss out. And then to kind of wrap this all up, you mentioned the 80-20% of, of Kelly Holmes. Now, there's been a number put on it by everyone. I yeah. listened to a podcast recently where, you know, Tom Evans said um, 90% mental and it can't, it can't be measured, of course. But the point made here is Kelly Holmes is saying 80%. Tom Evans is saying 90%. And Tom's point was, but how much time do we actually spend working on our mental fitness? If, if 90% of it or 80% of it is psychological, 
then how much time are you spending training compared to how much time are you spending working on your mental fitness? Yeah, and I think that I, I think we also see people who, like you say, the training plan is obviously extremely important and that needs to be right for you. But you see people going into races probably exhausted because stress levels are high. They're so worried about races, like even elite athletes. You see who performs and who crumbles. And that is probably mental side of things because, you know, your stress, your cortisol levels are high. You're probably exhausted by the time you've got on the start line. So your race is probably won and lost, but like before you even hit that start line. And I think especially we've seen things in marathons, like I think that it is so important to start that psychological process early. And for those of you who want to kind of understand how to start it, I mean, we started it in 2020 through journaling. So that really helped me. I mean, people think journaling's the kind of woman's thing, dead fluffy, but it, I can't tell you, it is an absolute game changer for me. And I know you still do it, but all it is is just getting your thoughts down, understanding them, and then starting to navigate through them. And that can be a game changer in performance. And, and it could be simple as a training diary, you know, yeah, it's it just exactly what you call it if you're, you're documenting those thoughts and learning from them as you go. But hopefully lots of, of learnings from that. So that's a, a deep one to start off with. I'm not going to lie. You know, <laughs> if you kind of throw on Jethro and I under the bus I here. I know, I know. Sorry, but it was from a coach point of view and an athlete point of view, it was... I've always understood how important mental skills are, but I think it's such an, still an untapped area, but that is so important for us to understand. Absolutely, I agree, 100%. Okay, Jeff, no pressure, <laughs> but um, we're quite a deep one to kick us off. But well, yeah, your learnings. Well, we, 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 didn't, we didn't talk about this beforehand about what, what we're going to kind of bring to the podcast. And I think, I think one of the things that I did want to talk about, um, it's, a, it's a slightly more specific um, topic, but it is very much linked to, to what what Gemma's just discussed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna term it the power of the confidence spiral. Nice, um, I like this. Which <laughs> is, thought about you know, this. I've, I've definitely I've definitely thought about that. Um, uh, it's not a film, but um, <laughs> and, and and what I mean by that is that I think you that I think especially this year, I've worked hard with lots of different athletes, looking to looking for them to build confidence through training through racing and looking for opportunities to do that so that when they do get to their big target race the rate they're already on that spiral of positive energy positive confidence and it just overall helps with for them to get the most out of themselves on race day now i know this is kind of like a rosy picture and ultimately there's always issues that athletes unexpected issues that athletes um come into contact with and so equally with that spiral it's around making sure that you're spending enough time with the athlete, putting in appropriate race race plans or race opportunities or tr training training um, within you know within a within a a block that rescues them from when there may may well be a negative spiral because ultimately you want to reverse that and and turn that into something that that is a lot more positive. I love that and I can relate to that fully. I know yeah. exactly where you're coming from from my own athletics career, mm -hmm. when you're just on that positive train, and Gemma calls it sometimes a PB train, we see it. People or flow state. Run, flow, flow state, flow state. Yeah. Absolutely, but then from a coaching standpoint, I see it time and time again where things just start to become positive with their comments on, on Final Surge, which is the app mm -hmm. we use for coaching. Things go green on the plan, you know, they're getting things mm -hmm. done, mm -hmm. and they're on that confidence spiral as, as you're relating to. And as a result, just the magic starts to happen. My question here mm -hmm. 
for you, Jeff, and, and mainly you know targeting this at our listeners mm-hmm. is if you're not on that confidence spiral, what what are some of the tricks and kind of the tricks of the trade to get them on that confidence spiral? So how do they go and find it? Because it's not that easy, is it? No, that, that's that's a really fair point, and I think that so the learnings from my perspective um, on placing greater importance on that is is really about looking at not only the training block and what you're looking to achieve within that training block but look for opportunities to maybe do maybe do a session or maybe do a run that might not exactly fit but actually the purpose in there is not necessarily to um to kind of really bring on fitness but it's more to to flex a little bit and 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 show how far the athlete has come do you know what i mean so it's it, it i think i think what i'm trying to say is that not everything in the week has to be sort of perfect and aligned to the objectives that you're looking to meet but there's occasionally opportunities to either dip into a i don't know let's say a low-key race or a or exit or go into a race with a specific race plan that might not get you the best result possible but it might enable that person to bounce off and think wow that was really good i'm not far away um i really want to roll with this now i'm inspired and all those words, I'm sure all our listeners can relate to, that at some point they've felt that and that's when they're most most confident, most inspired and that's the start of that positive spiral. And, and, and yeah, just feeding that and weaving weaving those opportunities into a programme, that's that's the coaching art, I suppose, isn't it? So, Can, can I just jump in on there as well? And it does relate to what we were talking about around the mental skills because self-talk is your number one priority as a human being and positive self, maybe not number one, maybe you need to eat eat, eat and drink as well. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say that's a bit. (laughs) Gemma, I know your biggest learning is being around psychology, but this is going a little bit far. Okay, (laughs) it's really important because what we tell ourselves is what creates our reality. So if if you have negative self-talk and you're putting yourself down all the time, that will become your reality. If you have positive self-talk, that will become your reality. So it takes a lot of time and takes a lot of practice. And that comes into the training side of things as well. So in terms of like, it's great when you're gaining confidence from sessions, from races, from your environment. But what happens if you've, I saw it in the trail world this year when two UTMB winners, so two, um, Tony McCann who won the OCC and then Jim Wamsley who won the UTMB, both had significant injuries going into those races and weren't able to do the training that they did last year and, and you would hit that point a month before UTMB and think, I'm not in the same shape as I was. I haven't done the same training. So what is it that gets you to that start line and gets you to get across that finish line in first position? And that has to be, they don't get positivity from their training or sessions that they've done or races. That has to be the story that they're telling themselves and the milestones that they're doing in terms of cross training and the environment they're in as well. So in terms of, like you say, that perfect setup is great, but what happens when things aren't going that well? I think um, we've agreed with each other a lot here, and, and quite rightly so, because everyone's making very good points. I'm actually going to agree here, and I'm also going to provide a little bit of a counter-argument to that. So I agree the self-taught thing's massively important, particularly to bring themselves out of that hole, and you've got to be so confident in your ability that you can turn things around they will go through some dark patches within that period as well. Um, But I think, uh, and I don't know this for sure, I think at some point within that last training cycle, whether it's the last four weeks, six weeks, when they did manage to get back on their feet, 
they will have done some confidence searching within their training. They yeah. will have done a session yeah. like Jethro mentioned that. Um, and, and I really like the way you said, and again, I'm kind of going to agree with this and then kind of provide a counter argument to it. I really ag- agree with the objective, like, okay, we're not going to do it from a physical objective or a physiology objective. We're not going to put that session in there and it's not going to be aligned to your objectives. But then my point is, well, if we're doing it to build confidence, actually, is it still aligned with your objectives? Because that's part yeah. of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. But then you can have, I suppose it's, then the argument is like, if you've got multiple objectives with what, what that training block represents, which yeah, often we do, right? There's... When you're embarking on a four-week block, it's not just singled out towards one thing. It's it's lots of things. But yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is that I think perhaps moving forward, definitely look for more opportunities because I understand or appreciate how much more weight that carries definitely. when plotting a program out. So um, yeah. love that, love yeah. that because I think I've I've done it before where whether it's like a repeat of a session that yeah. you know they've done. That's, and a, that's a really easy one, right? Yeah. Or yeah. a repeat of a session and and maybe it's like static recovery instead of jog recovery. That's a really, really, really easy one that I'm sure lots can relate to. And it, it just, it just helps bring on that, that confidence and look how fast, fast, how much faster I was moving on that compared to four, six weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. it could be, I'll be, I'll be honest here. I've sometimes looked back in the calendar and looked for a session that someone's done particularly bad and thought, you know what, I'll repeat that session yeah. because yeah. I know they're going to crush it. Mm. Yeah. And then they'll look back and go, oh my God, I've absolutely flown this time. And mm-hmm. well, it was hard not to do it worse. And if you did, <laughs> I've really messed up now. Um, but yeah, you've got to be clever and you've also got to know the athletes you're working with to, yeah. to know that what they'll respond to. So really good points so far i feel like i've been put on the spot a little bit here going third um okay i'm gonna go with uh one of my learnings that they mine all kind of tie in together so this year in switzerland we went out to a race where james did the 50k and uh justin carl and james's dad neil were racing the the 20k on the sunday and i decided that you know what i'm gonna race the 20k as well and i'm not blowing my own trumpet here but i did generally get in quite decent nick you know i I was i was going well i was training well and i thought oh you know what i could have a good crack at this on on that sunday and i went into it with a real positive mindset great trip away really looking forward to it um Went on the Saturday and crewed for James and was obviously coaching and and also was coaching, not to forget, I had Justin and Neil, who were also my athletes, racing on the the Sunday. So not just on the Saturday, I also was athlete planning for the the Sunday, which is the race that I was going to go into. Um, James did amazing on, on the Saturday and then we got to the Sunday and the first mile or two, I knew I was flat as a pancake. Like, it's hard to describe but you just know sometimes as an athlete, I remember you doing a 5K at Loughborough Jethro <laughs> in the summer and you said you just knew. Yeah. And that was one of those races I knew. And I immediately knew that I tried to do too much in a weekend. I was trying to be coach and I was trying to be athlete. And that was a big learning f- for me that I couldn't do both. And I've since worked on that with um, with a psychologist on not falling into that trap of wanting to do more. And it will link to my other learnings as well around trying to do too much and, and trying to be too much for too many people. But I think what's really important here is there's a couple of things. Within the race, I had to readjust my expectations quite quickly because I knew something wasn't right. Um, 
So I went from actually I'm here to to run well and perform well. And I'll be honest, I wanted to kind of sneak in the sort of top five on that day. And I, I believe I could have if I was right. Um, I thought I'm here to have a good time with, with the guys. Let's not force things here and, and do some damage and ruin your, your training block and then not be able to run next week. Let's enjoy where you are. So let's slow down, you know, not get yourself injured. So I changed my expectations within the race, which I know is hard for a lot of people to do, but I had to think on the spot. And, and I had to try and pick myself up. And then what I also did, the, the main thing was exactly what you said, Gemma, earlier. I went away and I wrote down. Mm. I went and wrote down in my journal at the end of the week, my reflections, right, what was good about the weekend uh, and what was a, a big learning and maybe a, a few mistakes. And it just helped me to realize you can't do this. Like yeah. you, you can't you can't be pulled in so many different directions. And, and I'll be honest, what I felt really guilty about was I didn't feel like I'd performed my best as a coach on that weekend. And, I, and again, that's me being vulnerable and very honest here. But I think that I went away and thought, no, you, you've not let people down, but you could do better. Yeah. And I always want to be the best version of, of myself. And I'm, I'm sure you, you are the same. So I thought, no. It's time to really get on board and, and look at what matters that weekend. You can do both. You can run and compete as, as Jethro does and as you do very well, both of you. Um, you can run and compete, but you've got to do it separately to when um, you've, your athletes have got really big targets because it's the best for them and it's, it's yeah. the best for you. I think especially in trail races because there are things like crewing and supporting and it's it is very different to, say, a marathon-type environment as well. So there's a lot more demand from the coach or the supporter in that sense. But, but you've said it to me before. You know, you've said you found it really hard when you've got athletes in the same race. Yeah, it's a real yeah. skill to be able to switch off. And I think you've mm. you've got to, as a, as a coach, if you're listening and you're a coach, you know, mm. I, I would say learn from, from our mistakes here because it's really hard when you've got a lot of athletes racing and you're potentially going to race yourself. And I know a lot of people who do online coaching now are athletes. So just, you know, bear that in mind. Um, but Jethro is still, still competing as well. And I know you're going to go to races sometimes when you have athletes in that same domain. Uh, and I think you've probably figured it out already. Um, if not, you, you will probably feel it at some point. But yeah, I, I just feel like when you get your energy sucked out of you because you're putting so much into the coaching, it just shows again, if we link it back to the psychology, it's not just physical. I was mentally drained. I was mentally yeah. knackered. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think if, if you look at my performances this year, they've been all at like weird times in between traditional seasons. Did a load of racing in September, which traditionally is, you know, for a lot of athletes is potentially a bit of time off. So um, yeah, you, you've got to look for those opportunities and remember that, you know, it's it's for your it's in your best interest as well not only as an athlete but as a coach um to to, to get that balance right and yeah i think i rem i really in I, I really enjoyed when you came back from that switzerland trip and were like was really frank and honest about that um and yeah i mean you applied it straight away didn't you right when you went to when you went to sweden yeah um, I know, which i, I think is which i think is really like telling that that was such an immediate like obvious way to to for you to improve uh, yeah but i lost away. my pacer on that one <laughs> you decided not to race and i was well, like go. oh god i've got to do this on my own so i had to follow another man but but, but i also <laughs> knew I, I was you know i've learned from mistakes when i paced you in manchester it, it didn't end well for no. you so i was like mm. actually you know what i'm gonna 
trust and which is going to come on to me the learning in in a while when we come back round i'm going to trust my judgment here i'm going to be honest with myself i don't even though i've paid 125 pounds to be in this blooming race but hey ho <laughs> i'm going to not do it um because i know what's best for my athletes i know what's best for me but for those of you tuning in what i would say is well you know how does that apply to me i'm not a coach well actually um i would say what you do need to be looking out for is stressful points in your life or busy points in your life where maybe you're going to go and race like Jethro just said and it might be at a point where you've got a lot going on with your family and, and your friends and actually your energy is better spent at that point in time with your family and friends or whatever it is that's in the calendar and actually there's a, there's a better opportunity elsewhere for, for another race and it might not be the biggest race of the year you know it might not be London Marathon for a marathon runner or it might not be that big Ironman that you want to do if you're a triathlete but it might be just that it's a bit lower key, but the timing is better. Mm. So really have a look at that and, and look at your calendar about where you feel like your energy will be better spent when you're targeting those big air goals. And, and that's another cue to go back and listen to the, the Jethro podcast. Which I think it was episode two, was it? I'm losing count these days, but about three. episode three. So episode around three. goal setting and um, looking at big target goals. All right, Gemma, it's back to you. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's go for your, your second learning of the year, please. Second learning. Um, mine is around comparison <laughs> to both yourself and other people. And this is, um, I think this is pretty relevant. And I listened to a podcast, the High Performance Podcast, on when I was on the cross trainer on whenever it was. What day are we on today? <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> on, um, yeah, on Monday night. And basically, I listened to Matt Fitzpatrick, who's a um, he's a golfer from Yorkshire, and he's a good guy. one of the best golfers in the world. What has he won the um, American won Open? The, when the US, US Open, Open yeah. yeah, and he was on the Ryder Cup winning team when we were in Rome this um, this September. <clears throat> so basically, he they the interviewers asked him about does he look does he go and talk to say Luke Donald or Tiger Woods and um, ask them how he can improve their game to learn from what what they've done? And he just said absolutely not. He said, I, I literally have no interest in asking them about golf other than, say, lifestyle or, you know, mental performance. He said, because we are so different and I'm different to them. I'm a different individual. I swing differently. I play differently. So I just want my coaches to focus on me and how I do things. And I think in the running world with social media and lots of comparison, we can go down that road where we're constantly, you know, with Strava, constantly comparing training and paces, sessions. And I've been guilty of it as well. The more social media has come into our lives. And I think I can't, again, this is what I worked with a psychologist about, about focusing on you and staying in your own bubble, because actually that's what's going to get the best. And that's what's going to help you perform the best. And it was so interesting listening to Matt Fitzpatrick talk about that from elite level in golf and actually say that is so relevant to us right now. Like, let's just stop comparing training, stats, data, like all of that sort of stuff. And let's, if we home it in and just focus on us and how our coach can develop us and how we can develop as an athlete, we will be in a much better position. Okay, well, I'm going to add to that because I think it's a really good point. And uh, I'm not actually using this as one of my learnings, but I feel like it's relevant to add in here is in relation to comparison is one of my big learnings recently uh, but I didn't have it down on my list was that I was giving advice to a lot of the athletes I work with particularly the, the elite athletes here in Loughborough 
And I was using myself as an example way too much. So I was saying, oh, well, this is how I used to do things or uh, this is how we used to train. And again, similar to you, Jim, I heard this on a podcast, a similar guy saying the same thing. And it made me realize that they're not me. They mm. are not me. And, and how I trained is very different to how they train. And they have different skills than what I did. And uh, they may perform slightly better in different areas. So actually, some of the stuff that I was saying was relevant. Um, but there was a lot I was saying where I could have been given better examples that were more specific to them. Because some of it was like, for example, I was very good at having a bad session the week of a race. Yeah. And then performing on race day and that became like a thing for me that if I had a bad session on race week I'd almost see that as a good thing now that was me mentally so I was saying to the, the lads in my group when they're having a bit of a wobbly on the on the Tuesday before a race don't worry about it guys that means you're gonna have a good race and then they perform rubbish at the yeah, weekend and yeah. I was like oh hang on a sec like and then they'd say I needed to have a good session on Tuesday. I realized that their confidence was then shot, just as Jethro was highlighting earlier. Their confidence had been shot and they weren't on that confidence spiral anymore. That session had got in their head and they'd gone, I'm not ready for this weekend. So not comparing myself to them has been a big part of that. And I think comparison is just, yeah, as you said, comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, but I think it's then as coaches and athletes understanding what you need and what we need to work on. So you're not looking at somebody else. You're looking at you internally as well. So it's like, well, if you may have a bad session on a Tuesday, but how can you turn that around? You may have a good session on a Tuesday. How can that help your confidence? So you're not, you can't always guarantee a good session unless you give them something. I don't know. It's not always guaranteed, is it? You could feel crap and it just doesn't go well. So you've got that. You've got as a coach, you've got to look at them on an individual basis and help them and they also need to pull back and figure out well why do I respond this way why is that happening so it's not just the coaches it's not just coaches job it's athlete coach coach relationship that's so important ask them yeah I think I think I've got better at doing that this year but what what do you need to do for you to fit to step on that line and feel a bit more confident or I know that was a bad one what what do you need to do over the next five days just to kind of like pick you up again um because often they know yeah and and i was just about to say almost the same thing so one one of my learnings was when i seen it happening in, in a session again i thought you know what this needs to adapt this session very mm-hmm. quickly yeah, because yeah. i can see yeah. where this is going so i just stepped in and said um, right we're just going to do you know lap, lap recovery and then i'd like to to know what you fancy doing we're going to change the session up completely what do you fancy doing and i thought in my head right i'm going to give them longer recoveries i'm going to let them spin the legs a little bit but i'm just going to ask them what do they need to, to help them feel confident mm-hmm. and not having not being afraid to change things that are on the plan and again if you've not got a coach and you're sat here listening then it's the same for you don't be afraid to change your own plan you know, don't don't just think you have to do what's set out on that schedule on that day if things aren't going well. Uh, I always remember Peter Coe saying about Seb Coe, if Seb was having a blinder, sometimes he'd pull him out of the session and say, enough's enough. Like, but at the same point, if he was having a disaster of a session, he'd also pull him off and say, enough's enough. You're not just going to run yourself into the ground tonight, sunshine. Like, you know, we've got to be able to adapt. And I think a big part of that is is linked back to um to confidence and not denting someone's confidence why would you keep running someone into the ground if you can already see that they're, they're beat up and it could affect their performance good one Jem. good one okay <laughs> jethro okay uh a learning a learning number two from my side from this year um i'm i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with some i'm gonna go with specificity 
um which i think it, it was obviously a pretty a pretty general term and ultimately like as coaches we're here to guide and advise and get those athletes ready um for their specific race goal but um i think particularly i think obviously that that race goal is is probably an event distance but i think it's 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 understanding that further and i think for me um there's been a few instances this year where there's been disappointing results um and i think my reflections are that some of that some of that thought around what exactly is the race going to be like the way that it's ran or the course profile or the way that that athlete's going to travel out there and I, how can i think about that sooner in sooner in the plan rather than it being maybe a thought sort of eight to four weeks away from the event i think i think that i think that's my learning that absolutely i consider that specificity but can that be weaved in at an earlier date to kind of future proof and ensure that athlete is really ready for not just the event and they're not just fit enough to go and con- compete in that event but to be active and and really get the most out of the fitness that they've accumulated in that event sorry i realize that's lots of general phrases but i'm trying to cover everything from like middle distance 1500 racing to to up, up, right up until the marathon so yeah um i don't know whether you guys would agree and in, in, in just just yeah when, when you when you're plotting out that journey i think it needs to be a, a thought sooner in the process rather than finishing touches that's a, a learning i went through a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um i sat down with a, a guy called mike mcleod i did an interview with mike uh, just off the back of covid and um mike was a brilliant athlete you know olympic medalist uh, one of the few people to have two olympic medals from the same event in the same year because he was upgraded so he's got a bronze and a silver because somebody tested positive for drugs straight after so it's quite a unique stat about mike in the 10k um but Mike was coached by a guy called Alan Story, who's still and is one of the greatest distance coaches we've have ever had in this country. And, uh, you know, I was lucky to uh, cross paths with Alan when I was at Loughborough because he worked a little bit with John at the time and he worked for British Athletics and he still coaches people like Tomo to this day. So his philosophies very much exist in our endurance culture still to this day. And Mike said to me, look, you know, it's very simple. If, if we knew we were going to be racing on hills in, in cross country season, We'd, we'd start off our season with like hilly runs. He says, and then we'd go into like hill strides and then we'd had in longer hill reps. And what it got me thinking about was this specificity. And I'm going to give the marathon as, a, as the example mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But if you're long-term planning towards any event and I'm using the marathon as an example, and I know that, for example, someone's going to go and do Boston Marathon in the US, which is a hilly course. Mm-hmm. Like, or Loch Ness. Or Loch Ness. <laughs> yes, there's one. Yeah, yeah, Loch Ness. <laughs> And I've seen the profile and I'm going, okay, in that specificity phase, which we know is around eight to four weeks out, usually is what what we work on. um, I'm going to want a lot of hill work and big volume kind of marathon specific work. But actually, I need to layer that in. So Mm. I, I need to start well before that. So after the kind of rest and regeneration phase and the conditioning phase, can I be putting some things in there, sprinkling it in? And Alex Haynes, who's one of our coaches at NLC and very much still a mentor for myself, he taught me this well. He's like, I'm not just going to give it to them. I'm going to layer it in and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of it in. And then I'm going to go, you know, give them a little bit more so that when they come to it, they're not just ready for it. They're actually really good at it as well. And I was like, that's genius. And he even said, I even set some sessions up. So 
remember an example he gave and I'd like to give another example so it relates to your track that you're mentioning mm -hmm. he, he wanted me to be ready for a 3k um so he said yeah I, I want you to do this session 600 meter reps at this pace and I said oh god that's quick isn't it and he said no you'll be all right and I, and I nailed the session absolutely nailed it and after the session he said to me do you know why I knew you'd nail that session and I said how he goes because I gave you 400s two weeks ago at that pace and you look great doing it He'd yeah. set the session up two weeks earlier, which was genius. Yeah. Um, mm. He knew exactly what he wanted me to do. Do it for 400, and we'll come back two weeks later when you're a little bit fitter. That session will have brought you on. You're now ready to do it for 600s. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really got me thinking about exactly what you just said, Jeff. Like you, Your long-term plan can really help you map out and get to that specificity phase in a really good place. And we also need race organisers to tell us all about elevation, course profile yes, and all sorts. Because that, cause like you say, when you get a major major marathon or a major race, it's a lot easier. When you get smaller races or like ones that aren't as big, it is actually harder to figure stuff out. So, yeah. So so this is, again, for people listening going, well, I'm not coached and someone's not planning that for me. But some, some learnings here for, for you is... You know, check the course profile. Yeah, it's very yeah. simple. Where not every marathon's the same. You know, have you actually looked at the marathon profile? What does it look like? Um, have you looked at uh, if you're going to do a a race abroad? As Jethro said, have you looked at the travel demands? What's the time zone like? It's, it comes down to preparation, doesn't it? Time of the day, temperature of the race, yeah. all these things. Like, I know I'm not good in the heat, you know, but you yeah. got you got to prepare yourself for that. So. 100%. Okay, good one. Um, does that mean we're back to me? We are, aren't we? Okay, <laughs> back to me and then we'll do a quick fire round. Um, so my big learning um, from a business perspective, okay, I'm going to throw mm. that one in because mm. I think that's important, you know, to my coaching is, is my business. But this year for me, I realized similar to my first learning that I was getting pulled in way too many directions. Um I didn't have enough time for, for things. And as a result, I took quite a big step to work with a, a business coach and psychologist who had a sporting background and reached out to, to him for some help because uh, I'll be honest, I felt like I was coming close to, to burnout. And that's big for me because I, I love what I do. Um, thankfully, Jethro came into NLC as well. And now Gemma's here full time. And I think that's testament to uh, the work we've all done together. Uh, but it was requiring me to take a bit of a step back as well. And as a result, a lot of my athletes will know, I've actually taken a bit of a step back from coaching as well. And it wasn't that I was coaching too many people because I was actually coaching a really good number of people and I really enjoyed what I did. But the demands elsewhere, particularly with the business and, and some of the commentary work that I'm doing and involving me in traveling more with, particularly with trails and, and ultra runners, is that um, I, was, I was doing too much, plain and simple. And what was happening as a, as a result was, one, it was probably diluting my quality without realizing it. Um, but if it wasn't, I was having to overwork myself to keep up with the demand, to keep up with the quality. And eventually that would dilute the quality. So I almost wanted to stop that from happening before it actually happened because I was just taking on way too much. And one thing I had to look at was like, well, what are my values in, in life and, and where am I spending my time and where am I not spending my time? And I did something called the time audit where I actually sat down and looked at where I was spending my time and it shocked me. Um, to put it into perspective, we averaged it out over a monthly period. I was working around 70 hour weeks, which like is is insane. Um, and, and that wasn't including, believe it or not, coaching hours that I was doing on a voluntary basis at the university. So basically I had no time for the things that actually I cared a lot about and I wanted to have time for. So 
made a big decision to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to correct this. It's going to involve having some hard conversations with some of my athletes around not, not supporting them anymore, which I was absolutely gutted about. But you know what? I knew that they were going on to some very, very good coaches, some of which are in this room. Um, and I was um, responsible for, for creating that. And I was very proud of creating that. But I was really happy that they were going to go to, to new people and have this new experience with them. So big learning for me and for those of you listening, just don't do it. Just don't, just don't overwork yourself. It's not a good place to be and you don't get the best out of yourself. I think that's a great example of when we're in Morzine for our Morzine retreat, we had Edwina Sutton, who is an ultra athlete. She was third, no, did she? Third female third in the spine race. Third female in the spine yeah. race. And she talked about these dials in life. And it's an example of all your dials were switched up to full max, Absolutely basically. Absolutely, they were, yeah. And that's just not, not possible. Like you say, you'll hit burnout. You'll end up not being productive and not working effectively, even though you still do, But which is amazing. But it shows that you needed to, you needed to make some changes. But I loved what she said about, so this can be related to athletes that we, um, that we coach and people listening. When you do have, say, a big race, it's like that's when your training and race dial or training dial gets turned up. And actually, you will have to turn other dials in your life down. Mm. Like I actually did it towards Coleman and I left my job as a CEO at Move Charity, the charity I founded. And I realized this was the time to turn the, the work dial, not right down, but turn it down and not be as full on, but actually turn the recovery, the training dial and preparing for the race right up because that was my priority because I couldn't do them all at, all at once. And sometimes it's a balance, but sometimes we just need to look at our life and think, figure out if we try and do everything, it's going to end up in disaster. And actually, we just need to shift some of those dials to make it work for us so we can be most effective. It's a good job you've got understanding work colleagues, isn't it? That let you shift that <laughs> dial down. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. I wouldn't say that was shifted down in anyone's <laughs> comparison. Thank you very much, Lewis Moses. <laughs> we didn't let you off bums and tums on the Monday either. We stuck you straight back in there. Testament to you getting on that. <laughs> but yes, I think, you know, one thing I had to be really honest about is um, my, my, my values and but also I worked with one of actually one of my athletes, Wendy, who did a great job with on a, as part of a study with myself and Jordan. We looked at my, my saboteurs and I'm a very much a people pleaser. I want to please everybody and um, I find it hard to say no to people. So I was trying to please people by saying yes, 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 yes. And I realized by doing that. I was like not only damaging myself, but I was potentially risking like doing a bad job. And that just was one of my big values is like never to disappoint someone. Like I want to please them. So I would never want to do a bad job. So yeah, it was understand. I think understanding yourself is important in that, um, in that moment, but also not being afraid to say no to people. Sometimes people respect that a lot more. And I read that in a book once and I thought, oh, I'm not sure I agree with that. I 100% agree with it now. Okay, final round, round three. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So round three, more of a quick fire one. So any learning, this can be, uh, you know, life, business, running, uh, coaching. Throw one at me, Gemma. That's a big question considering we've just been through. It is, oh, but... Oh, gosh. Any, lear any learning in life in general? Be a student of life. Okay, nice. Be a student of life. Uh, Always keep learning. Never think you know everything because you don't. I like that. I've, I've mentioned that on a podcast before about when George Gandhi said that to me. He's like, show me the finished article and I'll show you someone who's finished. And I was like, that's a great quote, George. Yeah. Don't know where he stole it from, but it was a really <laughs> good quote. I like you that. You quote Gemma Hilliard Moses now. 
I like student that. of life. Be a student of life. Yeah, I, I agree. And Matt, I'm going uh, to... <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> I'm going to throw back to another podcast, Matt Wood podcast, where he spoke about that's one of his big values about continue to learn, continue to push himself. And it was a really nice episode when he spoke about that. And that's the power behind what, what he does. So, yeah, links very nicely into that. Yeah, I do. I do learn a lot from Matt Wood doing that. So. He's my inspiration. There you go. Woody, you're still inspiring us. <laughs> <laughs> Jethro. I'm gutted because I actually had a quick fire one saved up. Um, and it's another version of what Jem says. But go on. I think, oh, I think, I love I it. Think, I, think, I, think, I think in this year, is, is for me, has been um, like pick good role models. Um, and that's a bit of flattery on both uh, Jem and Lewis as well. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, but but no, pick good role models, um, pick good mentors and, 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 and listen to them um, because... Um, yeah, I think I've, I've, I really feel like I've developed in lots of different areas that um, have previously been untouched or underutilized this year. And um, yeah, uh, and I think that's fairly applicable for, for anybody that's listening that, yeah, cho- choose those people in your life to, to look up to and, 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 you know, work out how you can not perhaps not be them, but um, take advice from 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 where they are and the experience that they've got. Yeah, surround yourself with good people. Yeah. I always, yeah. I always like that. And uh, yeah, hopefully you meant us, mate. But yeah, thanks, thanks if you did. If not, <laughs> if not, I should, well, ask, I should literally, literally surrounded um, in in this environment. I know. I know yeah, quite close as well. Okay, I am heating up. Quite now. close. <laughs> uh, okay, last one from me. Uh, very simple, but I'll elaborate on it a little bit. Trust yourself. Um, you know, there's there's a time and it falls back in. I said all mine were linked together because I'm a people pleaser. Sometimes I would say things to people that I didn't really believe myself, but I would do it because I wanted to please them. Um, maybe didn't want to upset them. So I'd say, yeah, OK, yeah, even though I didn't really believe it. This year, I've gone on a journey definitely of, of self-discovery and said, you know what? I'm going to tell them what I really think um, because Gemma always says to me, why don't you be the honest Lewis? Like you are with me. It's well, much better. I've had that for 18 years <laughs> well, and it is good. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I just needed to be a little bit more honest with people. And what surprised me the most was it was almost like they were wanting me to say that. And all these years I've been thinking they wanted me to agree with them. Actually, they were looking for not the counter argument, but they were wanting me to step in and stop them doing what they were going to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to give an example. So uh, Zoe Doyle is somebody who I used to coach. You know, Jethro works with really closely. Zoe's a brilliant person, a brilliant athlete. And she was chasing a, a master's time, a master's record, a British record over 800 meters. And she ran a couple of races and got really close to it. And she had the Europeans coming up and she asked me, should I go and do this other race to, to get the record? And I just said, you know what, Zoe, I think we're better off doing a couple of weeks training into the Euros here because I think it might compromise the Europeans if you go and do that. And there's no guarantee that you'll get the record anyway. So we're, we're now starting to deviate quite a bit from the plan. And, and fair to Zoe, she's like, yeah, fully trust you, you know. And I love that with athletes where they go, nope, trust your judgment. You're the coach. I'm going to do that. Cut a long story short, Zoe goes to Europeans, win two gold medals, and she also breaks the record in the process. So my my learning was, would she have broken the record that night if I let her do that race? I, I don't believe she would have done. But she got out of it what she wanted to get out of it anyway by, by trusting the process, if not more out of it. And there's so many learnings and examples I could give, give of this, but I think it's really important for you as people who are tuning in, yeah. you know, 
be honest, but be, but be fair. Like, I'm not saying, you know, be brutally honest and you have to disagree with everybody. But as long as you're being true to yourself and you're being fair and you're giving a balanced side and you're providing your honest feedback, as long as it's in the best interest of the person that you're talking to, then you should give them that advice 100%. And and often what I say to people is the, the advice you'd give other people is often the advice you should give yourself. And that was what I had to tell myself. Well, what would I tell Gemma? Well, I'd say to Gemma, no, <laughs> tell them, speak, speak your mind. You know, they need to hear that. So I was thinking, well, you're being a bit of a hypocrite then if you're not doing that yourself. So that's how I got over that that little barrier. So that was my final learning for the year. Amazing. Were you happy with all those? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so key takeaways. Um Psychology is either 80 or 90% of the game in running. We've not decided that yet, but it's a huge <laughs> part of it. Yeah. And you should work on your, your mental fitness. Um, but also linked to that is, you know, if you're d- lacking a little bit of self-confidence, then maybe look at ways in which you can find that confidence, speak to somebody and get some advice or just alter things a little bit. Don't be afraid or don't become a slave to your plan uh, if, you're, if you're one of the people who are, are following a plan. From me, you know, you don't have to please everybody. Don't don't overdo things. Don't try and be a jack of all trades um, because it really is true. You'll you'll master none. Um, focusing on what it is that you want to do and, and do it really well, but don't spread yourself too thin because it really does tire you and then people don't get the best out of you and you want to be the best version of yourself. Comparison is a thief of joy. To yourself and others. To yourself <laughs> and others. Wow, we're adding to it. And also be a student of life, was it? Yeah, yeah. Happy with that? That's have I got, have I got, have I got that right? Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, with with Jethro, surround yourself with good people. Specificity is is not the key, if unless you've thought about it beforehand. <laughs> I'll start to think about it beforehand. Uh, and finally, to to wrap it all up, trust yourself and uh, and be honest with yourself and, and be honest with those around you. People will appreciate your honesty as long as it's not ill placed. <laughs> Okay, that's a wrap. That was a big podcast. It Lots was. of learnings. I really enjoyed that. Really good. I think that might be our longest podcast. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to you two for being so open and honest and um, be willing to be vulnerable and be challenged. Thank you. No okay. problem. It's been great. Yeah, it's been awesome. So I really appreciate your input on that and I hope you've all enjoyed that. What I would encourage you all to do at home is exactly what we encouraged our athletes on our uh, monthly mindset Q&A to do last night is just to go away, spend a bit of time reflecting and, and learning and writing some of those things down. Learn from those, grow from those and, and help them to help uh, use those to help you put together a process towards your goals in, in 2024. And if you want some help on picking those big goals, go back and listen to the podcast episode with Jethro on setting yourself some some big A goals and maybe some B goals and C goals into the new year. We do have some more podcast episodes to come though before the new year. We've got Sonia coming on to talk all things marathon and we'll wrap uh, the year up with some very special episodes before we go into 2024. As always, a big thanks for joining us and for tuning in. Be sure to like, share, comment, provide us with feedback, whatever it is that you want to do. And if you are interested in coaching, then head over to New Levels Coach coaching.co.uk you can book a free call with myself or Jethro we'll chat to you about whether coaching is right for you and if it is you know we'll tell you about our coaching options but if it's not we'll always point you in the right direction for your next steps because it's important that you are working on you but you're doing it with the right people surround yourself with good people as you say Jethro so I'm going to leave it there I feel like we need a team hug <laughs> oh god I'm a bit sweaty for that but yeah we'll have a, we'll have a little bit of a team hug thanks everyone